Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm an integrative and functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in well over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs. And I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in practitioner mentorship where we help other clinicians level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what this show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. Okay, here goes nothing. I am recording. So I'm trying to, attempting to record this episode as video and audio, and I don't know if I can hang. It's, I'm, I might get a little distracted. Where do I look? Do I look at the, do I look at the camera? Do I look at my notes? I don't know. We're going to try it. But I'm very excited about this episode because uh, we're going to do what I'm calling Manifest Your Health coaching. So this is where you write in and you tell me your health problems. And then I take a look at what's going on using my functional alchemy lens. And I give you feedback. Obviously, let's just get this right out of the way. This is not to be used for medical diagnosis or treatment. I am not your healthcare practitioner. I'm just going to give you kind of feedback based on what you're telling me, what I see, and potential next steps for you to consider. So we look at it through the lens of like basic lifestyle, diet, but also functional medicine lab testing that you might need. Um, And then we pull in the emotional component. What is the emotion or the metaphysical um, thing that might be happening? Um, how How is your body communicating to you? What is your body trying to say through these health symptoms? And then finally, I'll do a like an energy read, kind of like a biofield scan on um, what I'm picking up. I have to say this, if this is your first episode ever tuning into the Functional Nutrition Podcast, maybe, just maybe like go back and listen to something else because you're going to be like this. I, I should, I mean, like this girl is like, out there, especially as we get towards the end. But um, maybe that's just my my insecurity and anxiety coming through. So maybe you'll love it. I don't know. Today, we're going to talk about SIBO, about IBS, about gastritis. This is a lot of GI stuff. This was submitted by Hillary. Um, she gave me permission to share her name. I think I'm going to leave last names and locations out of this. That just feels better for me. And I chose this particular question. We had a lot of submissions, but I chose this particular question because, uh, for two reasons. One, I feel that this conversation can help a lot of people. Unfortunately, these symptoms and this experience isn't unique to Hillary. I think a lot of listeners can hear themselves in this like allegory of Hillary. Um, It's a classic example of symptom diagnosis prescription, symptom diagnosis prescription, and around and around and around we go with conventional medicine. Um, Nobody is really stopping to ask Hillary like, 
what is at the root of all of these symptoms. And so today we're going to really be looking at how can we take more of a root cause approach. The other reason is that I just felt the appreciation from Hillary and I don't know, appreciation just goes like such a long way with me. It is a lot to produce this podcast every week for five years and you would be surprised at how many people show up and just ask for more, 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 you know, I've talked about it on the show, this like, um, this just like unconscious consumption. We're just like more, 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 never satisfied, just more, more, more. And so when people actually stop and take the time to say thank you, and I feel appreciated, uh, it, it is the best feeling in the world. Like it, it really feels so good. And I could feel Hillary's appreciation. So, um, I just want to say thank you to Hillary for appreciating me. So let's get into it. Um, she says, hi, I'm 50 years old and in my first year of menopause. In the fall of 2021, I started to feel constantly bloated and tried different probiotics with no results. So a couple of things that I'm going to chime in, and that's kind of how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just like tackle this section by section. Right out of the gate, I'm like, what, what else was going on fall 2021? Anything else was like, was anything else changing in your life? Did you make dietary changes? Um, so she's all of a sudden started to feel bloated. Was there any significant dietary changes? Did you get food poisoning, um, in the months leading up to the fall of 2021? Were there lifestyle changes? Was there increased stress? What is going on? When somebody gives me a specific time, like it all started here, I'm like, what's going on at that time? Um, starting with probiotics, I think is a really good call. We don't have to like, you know, we get bloated all of a sudden. It doesn't have to be like, oh, okay, this is it. I have something significantly wrong. Start with the basics. Um, so I think trialing a probiotic is a super safe bet. That's smart. That's a strong, strong call. Um, I think that we like starting with the basics, if somebody's listening to this and they've been struggling with GI issues, um, I'm going to, at the end or towards the end, I'll talk about different functional labs that could be really helpful and how to get those. Um, but before we even get there, really start with changing your diet. So do an eat like a program like my eat to achieve, which is 21 day self-study nutrition program. Try that out. Take, take out some of the, um, highly antigenic and problematic foods, uh, or I should say commonly problematic foods, like get that right out of there. We have the CCP starting up in January. That's such a phenomenal program if folks are dealing with digestive issues because we're taking some of the um, some of the big trigger foods right on out. Our free digestive guide, you can grab that on my website. We'll link it up in the show notes. Um, that can really help you troubleshoot some of your digestive issues and it gives you actual takeaway, like try this. Um, type stuff. So I just want to say that right out of the gate, because we're going to get into the nitty gritty. But if somebody is coming to me eating the standard American diet, that's the place that I have them start. Throw a probiotic into the mix. Sure. No problem. But like we have to start there. So I want to make that really clear right out of the gate. And Hillary did not include any information about how she was eating. So she might be, you know, she, that might not be an issue for her, but, uh, definitely something to consider. She goes on to say, one day in mid-February 2022, I was hit with bad chest pain and gut pain. So it's the one day for me. 
um, what was happening leading up to that day. If, if Hillary was, were my client and she was sitting in front of me, that would be the, my line of questioning. What was happening leading up to that day? What was happening the weeks and the months before? What was happening the day before? What was happening the day of? So I'm always trying to examine the context. It's not irrelevant. So one day this all kicked off. What the heck was happening leading up to that day? That is a really important question, right? There's almost always a lead up to the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. So timeline is imperative here. If your practitioner isn't asking about timeline, they're doing you a huge disservice. So we, this is something that we can like DIY, like manifest your health style. We can start to think about, huh, it all kicked off that at this point, what was happening up until this point? Um, Fortunately, Hillary provides a bit of context for us. She says, I was also going through a lot of stress and anxiety from my job, coupled with four teens doing remote schooling. Holy Moses. So definitely some big transition. Sounds like a lot of, lot of stress there. She saw her primary care for pain in February, and she sent me home, the primary care doc sent Hillary home with chest pain, excuse me, chest strain diagnosis from lifting weights. So we're going to go on to, to see that that chest pain probably was more GI related. Um, but I'm starting to think, okay, there's already lots of stress going on. There's this potential exercise injury. I would be asking questions about like how much exercise are you doing? How hard are you going? Are you giving your time yourself time to recover? Is this potentially a sign of overdoing it? So we're starting to paint a little bit of a picture here. So there's job stress. There's like big lifestyle transition. Um, I know that, you know, getting one kid remote schooling in first grade was a lot. Never mind four teenagers. Like that's a lot. Um, and then maybe there's this potentiality for like doing a little bit of over, overshooting it in the exercise department. Obviously I can't say that without more information, but that would be something to consider. It's, it's potentially creating like, it's like this cauldron for, you know, for stuff to start to go awry. So we continue. Went back to primary care a couple weeks later with worse pain and was given Prilosec for acid. So you gotta love that, right? Hi, I have pain. Oh, it's a, it's a injury. Hi, I still have pain. Oh, here's some Prilosec. <laughs> Two weeks later, primary scheduled ultrasound of abdomen since I still felt pain. Nothing showed as concerning, so I was referred to the gastro department. I had a routine colonoscopy before I could actually talk to a doctor about my issues. So we have to understand that every healthcare provider is kind of like working within their own skill set or like within their own tool bag. And so typically when we go to the gastro, the first, like the starting point is like we go in the mouth or up the butt or both. So endoscopy or colonoscopy is typically what you're going to get from, from a gastroenterologist to start things off. So it's, it's the, before I could talk to my doctor piece, that was like a little bit uh, like that's problematic. You know, why are we going to colonoscopy is like, you know, it's not a walk in the park. You have to kind of fast, you have to schedule the appointment. You know, sometimes you're, you're, um, 
it's just, it's just, it's a thing, right? So like, it's, it's interesting that there was no, nobody that wanted to have a conversation with her before this appointment. Okay, podcast buddies, I wanted to give you a heads up on an upcoming Organifi promotion. So mark your calendars Thursday, November 24th through Monday, November 28th, you get free shipping and 25% off when you shop my unique link, Organifi.com forward slash funk. That's the deepest discount you will find. So definitely use it to stock up on your favorites or even try something new. My two go-tos are the red juice and the green juice. My family has been doing a lot of green juice lately because we recently had our well water tested and found out that we have arsenic and uranium in our water. So I'm using Organifi green juice as part of a gentle detox support because it's got the wheatgrass, the moringa, the spirulina, chlorella, matcha, all of these dense green powders can be extremely supportive here. The green juice comes in two flavors. Both taste great. The original is a minty flavor, and then there's also crisp apple. I also want to shout out that Organifi powders are glyphosate residue free, which is a really big deal when you're buying any superfood powders. So snag the deepest discount November 24th through the 28th, Organifi.com forward slash funk, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash F-U-N-K. And if you are listening to this after the fact, that link will still save you 20%. So the colonoscopy showed that I have a torturous, torturous colon, which explains my constant battle with constipation. No polyps or other issues were found. Tested for colitis was negative. So it's very interesting to me because the few people that know that they have a torturous colon um, have written it down when telling me as torturous. So there's two different words. Torturous is to cause suffering, right? Torture. This That is not what a torturous colon is. Tortura, tor- so hard to say. I wish I could just spell it out for you. Tortuous means full of twists and turns. And that is the actual term. But I think it's so interesting that people write it out as torturous because that's kind of how it feels, right? To, to like, oh my gosh, I just got told that I have a torturous colon. Like, yikes. And then she also says, uses the word battle, constant battle with constipation. So we've got torture, we've got battle. I'm starting to like paint a picture of what this experience feels like for Hillary. Like my body is kind of causing suffering. Maybe I'm, I feel as though I'm at war, at battle, doing battle with my body. Um, so this type of colon is also known as a redundant colon. And it just means that it's abnormally long. So it's longer than your average colon and it can twist and loop and it can cause constipation and other GI issues. But some people have this without ever knowing about it, right? The, the only reason she knew about it is because she got a colonoscopy and they discovered it. So I just want to say that could this be part of the constipation picture? Uh, constipation picture? Absolutely. Is it a guarantee? No, we can't say that because we know that some people with a redundant colon have zero symptoms, have no issue. And then some people who have been told they have a redundant colon do have GI issues or constipation. So let's move on. Finally got in to see a PA in the gastro department. Yay, I get to actually talk to somebody without people just rooting around in my bum. She scheduled a breath test and an endoscopy. 
So um, the breath test is, she's referring to a SIBO breath test. And the breath test was positive for EMO. EMO, I-M-O, stands for intestinal methanogen overgrowth. So these methane, um, they're not technically bacteria, they're archaea, but that's semantics. Uh, these these um, methane-producing critters can overgrow in the small intestine and the large intestine, which is why the term is intestinal methanogen overgrowth. But we can use a SIBO breath test to test for methane levels in the small intestine. Um, now, bingo, now we're onto something because methane gas, an, an abundance of methane gas, can cause reverse hypermotility, which is backwards flowing. So we are GI track, really should all, everything should be moving in one direction unless there's like an emergency and we have to, right, get rid of something the other way. But really everything should be moving from mouth to bum in that direction. And methane gas can cause a, like a backwards flowing, an upwards motion. Um, so we can feel, this can cause constipation. We can feel nausea, um, acid reflux, uh, burping. We can see a lot of this with an abundance or, or high amount of methane gas. So this kind of tracks with what Hillary um, was experience, experiencing in terms of her symptoms. So she went on two weeks of metronidazole, an antibiotic, and neomycin. Um, she says insurance wouldn't cover rifaximin. That's a bummer to me. Rifaximin is a very unique um, antibiotic, and it's been extensively studied uh, for SIBO. And um, it's just a shame that she has proof positive. She has a positive SIBO test and insurance is not covering the best, most appropriate treatment for that. That is a bummer. So typically um, with methane, so methane uh, dominant uh, SIBO, or now called EMO, and hydrogen dominant SIBO are treated slightly differently. Um, rifaximin and neomycin are used in combination for a methane presentation. So that's a bummer. Uh, the, the cool thing, the interesting thing, the unique thing about rifaximin is that it does seem to stay really localized to the small intestine. So it's not going to have this systemic body-wide effect um, and more collateral damage essentially. And we cannot say that about the antibiotic that was used for Hillary. So that's a bummer. Um, the endoscopy showed gastritis and uh, esophagitis. Am I saying that right? Esophagitis? Doesn't, doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth, but inflammation of the esophagus. Not Barrett's, negative for H. pylori. She's currently taking a proton pump inhibitor. Her question is, can emo and SIBO cause gastritis and esophagitis? I've never had trouble with acid before. So I'm going to answer this question. I would say that it's more likely to work in reverse. We would commonly see this presented in reverse, that low stomach acid can contribute to SIBO. So GERD acid reflux typically occurs. It's not usually an issue with too much stomach acid in most cases. It's an issue with increased LES pressure. So LES stands for lower esophageal sphincter. And so it's, it's the, our, our GI tract has a set of sphincter muscles. Um, 
have a little chuckle if you need to. I always do. It has a set of sphincter muscles that open up and close. And so it assists in that appropriate movement of things through the GI tract that we just talked about. And when there's increased pressure on the lower esophageal sphincter, that sphincter muscle opens up and it allows the acidity from the stomach to move up into the esophagus. So you can have low stomach acid and still have heartburn, acid reflux, and GERD. Your esophagus is not designed to withstand the acidic environment that your stomach is. So if any amount of acid moves up into the esophagus, it's going to feel bad. It doesn't belong there, okay? So you can have GERD, you can have acid reflux, even without having too much stomach acid. So unfortunately, the, the main treatment for low stomach acid or for, for GERD or acid reflux is to swoop in and to suppress the stomach acid production. If you already have low stomach acid, well, Houston, we have a problem. So um, some of the things that can increase this LES pressure, which is not a good thing, is having um, intra-abdominal pressure. So this can happen, you know, a number of different reasons, but SIBO can be one of those things that increases the pressure on the LES, on that sphincter muscle. And so we can see reflux, um, as a result of SIBO. Um, we can see SIBO as a result of low stomach acid. So it's kind of a little bit of a situation of the cat chasing its tail, I would say, um, if I'm using that analogy correctly, which I never am sure with those analogies. Um, so like short answer to, to Hillary's question, can that SIBO cause Esoph uh, like inflammation in the esophagus, if it's putting pressure on that sphincter muscle and that sphincter muscle is opening up and acid is moving up to the esophagus, yes, totally. That can happen after a while. So um, in terms of the gastritis, so if there's gastritis in the stomach, the way that I think about it is um, it's like a boo-boo on the inside. So it's like, there's like a raw, like, open wound on the inside of your tummy. Ow, right? That can cause a lot of pain. That can cause a lot of stomach pain. Um, as I learned from Grace Liu, the ecosystem in the terrain of gastritis is a lot of candida, um, ne uh, flora that like the bad guys, the pathogenic, the opportunists, and H. pylori. Um, I would actually suggest in this scenario, because these problems have been ongoing and Hillary's not really getting a ton of relief, I actually might advocate for running a GI map stool test. It is very sensitive for H. pylori. In fact, it's been criticized for being too sensitive for H. pylori. But that way we know like there's a chance that perhaps her H. pylori test came back negative. Um, and I would, I would just want to do a follow-up with that because we tend to see a lot of H. pylori with that gastritis. So I think it depends on where, if the gastritis was in the stomach, which is where gastritis is, I would definitely advocate for retesting for H. pylori at the very least, but maybe doing a GI map. If it was more of the esophageal inflammation, then that just might be a byproduct of the acid being in the wrong spot. Um, but the GI map will also look for other overgrowths. Did you hear the gunshot? Sorry about that. My neighbors are pew, 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 shooting guns, I guess. It's a great time for that. Um, 
So I just say that because I'm recording a podcast. It's not. That was sarcasm, if you didn't pick it up. Sarcasm. So uh, it could also look for candida. So we might start to build out a bigger picture of what's really going on in Hillary's gut with a stool test like that. Now, with gastritis, if there is active gastritis going on, we I always kind of treat this as like priority numero uno. We want to soothe down that inflammation in the tummy. Um, so certain things that can do this, aloe juice is really wonderful. Um, raw goat milk kefir or kefir, if you can tolerate that, can be really soothing for uh, gastritis. It's kind of like the inside of the stomach should be like this silky blanket. And we want to reinstate that silky blanket. We really don't want to do anything that's caustic at this moment in time that's caustic to the lining of the stomach. If it's already inflamed and revved up, we don't want to do anything that could further do that. So really trying to strategize ways to soothe down the inflammation in the gut. Other things that can be helpful are any of the mucilaginous herbs. So things like marshmallow root or slippery elm, um, you can buy these in bulk. Uh, licorice root is another one. As long as you don't have high blood pressure, you can buy these in bulk in, um, like just as uh, powders and then mix them with a little warm water and drink them down. It's so soothing for the inside of the GI tract. So Hillary goes on to say she still felt bad after the antibiotics and she was also doing a low FODMAP diet. So that didn't really move the, between the antibiotics and the diet didn't really move the needle for poor Hillary. She requested a second breath test, even though the PA didn't think she needed it. The PA diagnosed her with IBS and prescribed disoclamine, which is a uh, gut antispasmodic drug. Um, so let me just back up a click. Typically, the way we want to run this, if we are running a test for SIBO and it comes back positive, and then we are treating that SIBO, we do want to do a retest. That is pretty much al almost always. You test, you treat, you retest, because then we can see, did our treatment actually work? Especially if somebody's not feeling much better. We need to see like what is still there. Um, so just I just I wanna say that so you can self-advocate. Test, treat, retest. Is the SIBO gone? If not, we have to come up with a different treatment approach. Um, so I think it's, it, I, IBS can be a real diagnosis of exclusion. So it sounds like this PA is like, this PA is like, I'm not really sure what to do with you. We treated the SIBO, so we're not going back there. We're not going to retest. How about an IBS diagnosis? Does that work for you? I've got a prescription for that. Side note, I'm sorry if the audio is a little funky. I just realized I was like, talking with my hands into the camera and not really talking into the mic. So this is an adjustment. This is a trial period. We'll see how it works. Anyway, so the medication that the PA prescribed for IBS, the way that this drug works is it actually blocks the action of acetylcholine. Acetylcholine is one of our neurotransmitters. And one of the things that acetylcholine does is it upregulates the migrating motor complex and it upregulates peristalsis. So these are two different things. Um, gunshots. Okay. Oh gosh, this is a this is a this is a fun episode. Just in terms of um, how I'm recording it, it's a little wacky. Okay, so uh, 
Acetylcholine upregulates these movements. Both of these are movements that help us get things down the GI tube. So peristalsis happens. It's like those, it's wave-like projections of the, the, um, of the muscles of our GI tract, and it happens in the presence of food. And the migrating motor complex, kind of like, it's like a little scrubbing brush, but it only happens in a fasted state when we don't have food in our GI tract. So, but both of them kind of cause these like must, uh, muscle contractions, and that is uh, driven by this acetylcholine. So those muscle contractions can cause discomfort for people with IBS. There, it, there's a little bit of a, um, we, it's called visceral hypersensitivity, and it's like normal motion of the GI tract in folks with IBS, can, it can signal as pain. And so um, we can get into that more in another episode for sure. But I just want to say like, that's how those, those drugs work. So sometimes we can see negative side effects of this medication. And honestly, one of those can be constipation because again, it's, it's shutting off that or, or blocking that, uh, acetylcholine, which is triggering the contraction to like actually move things down. Um, another thing to try, and I'm, I'm not here to weigh in on medication or to be like, you should be taking this or you shouldn't be taking this, or this was inappropriate. Your PA and your doctors know you. I don't, I'm just a lady with a microphone. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But another thing that can be really helpful is peppermint oil. It's a natural antispasmodic, which is um, how that that prescription drug works. And it can be pretty effective for folks with stomach pain, for folks with IBS. Um, It doesn't seem to have as many side effects. So that could be an option. Again, not medical advice. I am not telling you what to do. This is just generalized information, but the peppermint oil is a nice one to have in your back pocket. Hillary says, I also have ongoing pain a little to the left of my belly button. I had an x-ray and it didn't show anything other than being backed up. So we know she's constipated. She's struggling with the constipation picture. Is that causing her pain? Yeah, it sounds like maybe. She's now taking Miralax every other day and Iberogast, which I saw you recommend. So Iberogast is, it has prokinetic effect. So I love this supplement for folks who are constipated, who struggle with recurring SIBO, who have low motility. Um, A prokinetic helps to, or yeah, helps to reset the normal motility of the small intestine of the upper gut. And it coordinates and amplifies the downward movement of different segments of the GI tract. I feel like that's like the name of the game today is like, We want things moving down. We want things moving in the appropriate direction in the GI tract. Um, And so by taking a prokinetic, it can help with reflux. It can help with nausea. It can help with burping. Some people find that it's helpful for constipation, sluggish bowels. And so Iberogast is a different, it's a liquid and it's a combination of uh, different herbs. There are um, also prescription prokinetics. So I think her Hillary's use of Iberogast is really smart here. Hillary, if you're not seeing any um, big profound effects, you can actually, you know, you can take a higher dose. Um, I like somewhere between 30 to 60 drops per day. You can take that in the morning. You can take it before food. Um, you could also take it um, at nighttime. And let's take a quick break so we can talk about Element. I'm so pumped to hear that you guys are digging this stuff. I knew you would. It's so 
freaking tasty. I did get a question about sodium. Somebody asked if I was concerned with the sodium content and the answer is not at all. In fact, that's why I sought out Element as my electrolyte drink of choice. Active athletes, especially during hot weather, can lose up to seven grams of sodium per day just through sweat alone. And in order to replete that, to replace that, we need both water and sodium so we can reestablish appropriate and proper hydration. I'm active. I like to do hot yoga. Honestly, on my hot yoga days, I actually double down on Element. I know many of you are active as well, so this is something that we really should be mindful of. Salt has been villainized. It's not the bad guy. We need salt. We need minerals. We need electrolytes. And if you want to do it in a yummy way, Element is your thing. So right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. So that's eight packets for free with any element order. It's a great way to try the flavor, see what you like. And you can get it at drinkelement.com forward slash funk. The deal is only available through my link. You got to go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash funk. You also get a no questions asked refund. So try it risk-free. You're going to love it. And when I start to feel my stress and anxiety kick it up a notch, like Emeril Lagasse, I personally lean on Ned's De-Stress Blend. It's a certified organic formula that features two powerful plant compounds, CBD, and then the lesser known CBG, which is considered the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is for anxiety and stress. De-Stress Blend also features ashwagandha, one of my favorite adaptogens. And I think I say that about all the adaptogens, but ashwagandha was my gateway into adaptogenic herbs. So I do have a special love for it. Invest in yourself and fortify your stress response. Get 15% off of Ned's de-stress blend with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. Prokinetics can be really helpful to take at the towards the end of a SIBO treatment plan. Again, whether that is a prescription prokinetic or an herbal prokinetic, there's different ones out there. Um, but that can can very be very, very helpful and help to prevent recurrence. So Hillary says her second breath test came back positive with SIBO, just hydrogen this time. She says, I'm currently taking ciprofloxin, which, or cipro, cipro, you know what I'm talking about. I don't think I'm saying it right. Pronouncing these medications is such a struggle for me, but Cipro, which scares me because of all the warnings, thinking it's time for a naturopathic doctor now. She says, my quality of life has taken a real hit and I'm feeling overwhelmed and unhealthy. I've tried doing my own research to help myself, but have hit a wall because there's so much conflicting information out there. Word. Thanks for taking the time to read a little bit about my struggles, whether you use it or not. I appreciate all the information you put out there best Hillary. And I think like right now, can we just take a one quick collective second to like all send lots of like love and healing to Hillary? Because I think, you know, many of us have been in this exact spot. Many of you may be in that exact spot. And I just, my heart goes out to Hillary because that, you know, it's, that's hard. It's really hard. So let's get into more of the nitty grit of SIBO. 
and talk through some different options. What I want to say is that up to two-thirds of SIBO patients can relapse, meaning SIBO can come back if the underlying cause is not addressed. So SIBO in and of itself is not a root cause. It is not an underlying cause. We have to figure out why did you get SIBO and if it keeps coming back, why? And that's the thing that needs to be addressed if we want to prevent SIBO from reoccurring. So a different approach, a naturopathic or a functional medicine approach can help you get to that root cause, ideally. So some root causes for SIBO would be impaired motility. Um, This just means, so motility is basically how quickly or slowly things move through that GI tract. So if there's an issue here, that can create an opportunity for SIBO. So one reason for impaired motility could be autoimmune IBS, where you're actually making antibodies to your own migrating motor complex. And we talked about this with Dr. Mark Pimentel himself in episode 181, SIBO and IBS, the latest research and testing options. And that would be a good episode for you to check out. Um, with essentially that happens after, um, after a case of food poisoning and there's molecular mimicry at play and that can create impairment with the migrating motor complex. Um, traumatic brain injury, concussions, um, can, can do this as well. It can really impact motility. Hypothyroid can also impact motility. Okay. So these, those would all be some potential root causes. Uh, another root cause of SIBO would be just issues with digestion, hypochloridria. So that's low stomach acid. We already talked about that, um, but that can set you up for SIBO. Um, if you're not making enough of your digestive enzymes, so, um, or your digestive like juices, so hydrochloric acid, stomach acid, uh, pancreatic enzymes, brush border enzymes, bile, all of these things really appropriate, uh, really helpful for appropriate digestion. Um, and then we can see issues with, um, surgeries, abdominal surgeries. So, uh, sounds like Hillary has four children. I don't know if she birthed all of those children. I don't know if there was C-sections involved, but that could be something to think about if there's any scar tissue from um, surgery of the abdomen, um, hysterectomy, um, getting your appendix removed, removing the gallbladder, uh, laparoscopy surgery. All of these things can create like scar tissue or adhesions that can impact the flow of things, which could set you up for SIBO. Uh, endometriosis is another one, uh, pelvic inflammatory disease. If there's been any surgery in the pelvis, same with the abdominal, it can create scar tissue, um, or adhesions. So, These things can um, also cause like a thickening of the bowel sometimes because they're so intimately, I mean, they're so close. So uh, we could see issues with with motility with that. So some of those things uh, could be root causes of like why you got the SIBO in the first place and why it's coming back. So talking to a practitioner, maybe you hear yourself in some of those things that I'm saying, and you can start to kind of put together your own, you know, your own picture. Um, some labs that can be helpful if you're looking for next steps. If you're, you're saying, I want to work with a naturopath or I want to work with a functional medicine provider, some labs that if you were a, 
you know, a client of myself or of Rachel here, we would probably want to do a GI map stool test. Like I said, some type of stool test we can get. We, we, the SIBO test is showing us what's happening at the level of the small intestine. A stool test is going to show what's happening in the colon. So both of those, that information combined can be really helpful. Um, I also think it would be smart to do uh, that blood test that tests for autoimmune IBS. So that's the IBS smart. It's a blood test. It's showing antibodies, like I said, to your own migrating motor complex. That could be, um, that could be relevant here, especially if you have a history of getting food poisoning in the past. Um, I think a comprehensive metabolic panel would be really, really helpful. I would want to see thyroid markers just to rule out is hypothyroidism contributing to this, um, motility issue. Um, it's also since, since Hillary is in her first year of menopause, we could also start to look at some metabolic markers in the comp panel. So blood sugar markers like fasting glucose, insulin, hemoglobin, A1C that, you know, that can just give us some good data. Maybe, 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 maybe doing a Dutch test for hormones again, more from like the menopausal picture and to see if she's in an active stress response, you know, what's her adrenal hormones look like? Are they cranked up? Um, are they depleted? Like, where are we at? Because when it comes to digestive issues, it's so easy to just think about gut, 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 gut. But we have to remember that technically digestion and gut health starts at the level of the brain. And so if the brain perceives stress, that is absolutely going to impact motility. And so we, we could determine where she's at with her stress load just based on conversation and make some recommendations based on that, or perhaps take it even a step further and look at them via a Dutch test. But there are certainly things that can help even without the functional labs. I think the most important thing to start with is to increase the parasympathetic response. So practice getting into a parasympathetic state. Our autonomic nervous system um, essentially has like two branches, two arms. One is the sympathetic stress response and one is the parasympathetic. And the parasympathetic is where essentially like all of our healing happens. Um, it is where we rebuild and we repair and it's where we, you know, the lining of our gut regenerates. It's where we digest our food. It's where we build out hormones and have appropriate like hormone function and all that good stuff. So our bodies are really designed to be in a parasympathetic mode, uh, mode more often than not. And yet so many of us, especially 2021, right? When she, when all of this stuff started kicking off for her, were kind of cranked up in a sympathetic response. And so that's not, that is not a conducive state for healing. And so part of healing, yes, part of healing our guts is to practice, continuously practice getting into a parasympathetic response. And so there are many different ways to do this. Um, I've talked about it extensively on the show. So for the sake of time, I'm not going to get into ways to downregulate your nervous system, but that's important. I love, I'm a huge fan of gut-centered hypnotherapy for IBS. Um, I have seen it dramatically reduce symptoms, 
huge fan, huge advocate. Um, if you're really kind of like keyed into your symptoms and nervous about them, and then like the more you experience physical symptoms, the more anxious it makes you, and then the more you experience physical symptoms, you can check out the Body Intentions Breakthrough. Uh, that is a course that I teach that talks about the brain-body connection in a high level of detail and really gives you ways to neurally rewire yourself toward health. Um, Vagal exercises, neurofeedback, acupuncture can all be helpful. I love visceral manipulation, especially if I suspect somebody might have scar tissue or adhesions to the um, the abdomen. Cranial sacral work is a really wonderful therapy. So those are all things to think about. Um, in terms of the constipation picture, ideally bringing down those methane levels can help. Um, it seems like they moved, they knocked those methane levels down in the small intestine. Um, I don't know if the constipation improved. It sounds like from Hillary, it didn't really improve. Um, I would check out episode 131, can't poop constipation and gut health, because that I go through my very most favorite strategies for constipation, magnesium, um, sun fiber, really good go-tos if you're not already using them, considering doing coffee enemas, um, I talk about coffee enemas in an episode. I don't know where, but somewhere. Uh, if you use the search feature on my website, you can you uh, you can type in coffee enemas, and maybe it will it will populate. Um, colon hydrothe- hydrotherapy. It's uh, if if it gets really bad. Um, I love some self massage on the abdomen. So you basically work in a. Is this counterclockwise or clockwise? I always forget. Like if you're looking down, it's it's clockwise if you're looking down. But basically you're starting with the ascending colon, you're working your way up across the body and down the descending colon. And you're just, you can use oil or you could just use dry hands and you're really massaging your own stomach in a way that helps with the appropriate movement. Um, a castor oil pack over the low abdomen can be helpful for constipation. So those are all physical body strategies that you can help, um, or that you can think about or use and apply to help your symptoms. So let's switch over into the emotions and the energetics behind constipation, refusing to let go of old ideas, being stuck in the past. So I should pre-frame this before we get into it. I've talked about it enough that hopefully listeners are are savvy to this, but the body communicates to us via symptoms. We might get intuitive hits or inner knowing, and we might not do anything with that information, right? Well, I can't do that because I got to be the caretaker and I got to take care of everybody else. Well, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. And so if we don't listen to those like whispers, those intuitive whispers, they can become screams. And so the body can communicate to us through symptoms, okay? And so the energy, the emotion behind constipation can be refusing to let go of old ideas, feeling like you're stuck in the past, not being able to let go of something or someone, like maybe you had an experience and you just can't let it go. Um, feeling like an experience is undigested, fear of not being able to move things along, feeling stuck or stag- stagnation in some area of your life. 
not wanting to go, but having to go, um, like being forced to do something. I, you know, I keep thinking about the fact that Hillary said there was high stress at work. And so I wonder if there was like a situation, um, that relates to the, the not wanting to go, but having to go or feeling stuck and stagnant anyway. Um, in episode 111, I'm going to use an example of how this stuff really plays out in real world. Episode 111, the episode entitled Shit We Don't Talk About, Good, Good Girls Gone Bad, I talked about an experience that I had where it was in the middle of COVID. We had one week of vacation and it did not go down the way that I wanted it to go down. And I was mad. I was big mad, but I didn't say anything. I kind of held it all inside. And then I literally held it all inside because I did not poop for 12 days. I ended up in the ER because I could not poop, could not poop despite every attempt. And I was mad and I couldn't let it go. Like I couldn't move, move it through me. I couldn't like metabolize this anger. It was stuck in me and my shit was stuck in me too. So if you are, I tend to see, um, folks who struggle with chronic constipation as like people who just kind of hold on to stuff, like, you know, like have a hard time letting go of things by the way it may. That's not a call out because I'm raising my own hand. Um, There are some, if you do well with mantras or affirmations, there's a couple that could go along nicely here. Um, I allow life to flow through me. I release the past with ease. I allow experiences to flow through me with ease. Some type of that verbiage can be really helpful to just say, again, if you're somebody that does well with mantras or affirmations, those are really great ones to adopt. And then the gastritis is essentially anger on the inside. Um, and it's interesting because when I did an energy read on Hillary, which I will share with you, I did get some anger. Some anger was like a theme that was coming up. And so it's interesting with this gastritis. Um, again, um, I'm wondering if that this has to do with a lot of stress and anxiety from her job, because we can get angry if we are forced to uh, accept a subordinate role. We can get angry. Anger is kind of like, I do not like the way things are right now. Or anger could also be, um, a boundary has been violated. You know, whether or not you were aware there was a boundary that needed to be set, a boundary has been violated. So, um, I, I want to, I'm really curious about going back to when the symptoms began because if somebody's like, oh, this has been an ongoing thing for a long time, there's some pattern involved. But when somebody's like, no, this started, like Hillary's like, this started fall 2021. Like it started at this point. There was one day on the calendar I can pinpoint and be like, that was the day. So since it was, it seems like the first time she's experienced these symptoms, she says she's never had trouble with acid before, right? I am curious if there was a conflict whether work or other otherwhere, if there was a conflict, a specific conflict that happened before all of these symptoms popped off, that stomach pain, that chest pain. 
Um, because if we were working together, what we would do is actually go back to that conflict and attempt to resolve that, that conflict. The conflict is over, right? At this point, it's been like a year and a half. So the conflict is in the past, but has your, but it might not be in the past according to your subconscious mind or according to your body. Your body might still be holding on to a conflict that it feels was never appropriately resolved. And so that could be triggering the anger on the inside. Maybe there was there was anger, but there was never an opportunity for the anger to come up and out. That's kind of like what anger needs to do. It needs to come up and it needs to come out. It needs to come up and it needs to come out. And if it's squashed down, if it's held down, if it's suppressed, that's when it can start to wreak some havoc. So the energy read that I did, so essentially how this goes is I close my eyes. Sometimes, sometimes my eyes are open. And then I just bring Hillary into my mind and I ask, is there anything Hillary's body wants to communicate from an energy perspective? And I know that this is wacky and far out. Listen, I started practicing this 15 years ago and I like literally just started talking about it this year. So <laughs> it took me 15 years to like come out of the, oh yeah, I read energy closet. So, you know. It's a thing that I do. Anyway, this is, I just want to say this for Hillary's sake, for Hillary's sake, uh, I am recording this October 27th and I rooted around in your energy October 26th, just yesterday. So October 26th, October 27th, this is the energy that your body is putting out. This episode might not be released for a couple of weeks. So just a heads up on that. I think time matters. Okay. So the big, I actually saw like an image of Hillary's body. You know, if you were like looking up the chakra system, like if you Googled chakra system and you saw like, like the outline of a human, that's kind of how I saw. And it was the left side when I was looking at it. So it would be the right side for Hillary. And I just saw a ton of red energy coming off the right side of her body. Like, whoa, it was red. It was like, it felt very inflamed. And I kept getting like the sense that this is anger energy. Obviously the color red, uh, relates to the root chakra. Um, so that has a lot to do with our safety and our security and our home and money and just, you know, feeling like we belong in the world. So there could be a connection there. But the big thing that I was getting was like inflammation, but like anger, like Inf inflammation on the inside, like an inflammatory emotion, like big anger. And again, we were talking about that anger having this like up and out energy. It's like the body was almost trying to get it out, get it out, get it out. But I got the sense that it wasn't getting the opportunity to do that. So if anger isn't able to appropriately flow through you, it stays trapped inside. And we need to, and I would be so curious to ask Hillary, like, what is your relationship to anger? What is your relationship to rage? Do you feel that you have healthy metabolism of anger? Do you feel that you have healthy expression of anger? Um, do you feel like you can appropriately communicate your boundaries? Do you feel like they're taken advantage of often? Those would be some questions that I would love to ask Hillary based on this. Um, I also got this sense that it was very unbalanced. So there was so much energy charged up on the right side, which is the masculine side of the body. Um, you know, divine masculine, divine feminine, 
I've addressed that on the show before. Um, but there, there, I definitely was getting like big male energy here. And I, to be honest, when I first saw, I did, a, I did a little cheating, to be honest with you. When I first saw Hillary had four kids, I'm like, oh, this is definitely going to be a read about her kids. It wasn't nothing. There was like no kid energy that came up whatsoever. But I did get the sense that there might be something that needs to be worked out, some type of conflict perhaps, or a conflict in the past that hasn't been appropriate appropriately resolved, um, some friction maybe with either, with some type of male figure, either a boss or a husband or a brother or a father, um, or it could just be sort of representative of your, um, relationship to men in general, but like, whoops, is there something there that needs to be processed? Is there something there that needs to be digested? Is there something there that needs to be dealt with that really hasn't been dealt with before? Um, when we look at the colon, the energy of the colon is really about this holding on to the past or even fear of letting go. And um, it can also relate to anger, being angry about a situation that cannot be expelled, like maybe like a situation that you feel kind of like stuck in or trapped in, um, or an experience that you had that you haven't been able to like really like move on and let go of. So that's it, Hillary. I hope that landed. I hope that resonated. I hope that was helpful. I hope that provided some insight into some practical strategies you can try, some next steps, maybe helping you connect a little bit to the emotional body, the energy body, listening to some messages that wanted to come through from your body. And I hope everybody else out there enjoyed listening to this and were able to glean some nuggets for yourself. Listen, if you're into this style, this is the first time that I've done this podcast, the Manifest Your Health Coaching. If you're into it and you want to keep it coming, please let me know. Please send a DM. I Typically, it's Jenna in there responding, but I see a lot of them too. And so we would love to hear from you. Green light, like keep them coming. If you would like to submit your own um, your own sort of case to this, you got to email us. We won't su- accept any of these through DMs. Just a heads up, they will just they'll just get lost in the sauce. Uh, email us support at thefunctionalnutritionist.com and have your title, your subject, be podcast coaching. Try to be thorough, but try to be brief. The likelihood that I will read like a paragraph or two versus a page or two, you know what I mean? Like I'm just I'm more likely to choose something that's that is brief. Just a heads up. So I want you to make sure that you know your submission actually goes through. So I will also end this with uh, if you are looking for help with functional medicine and nutrition. You can apply to work with Rachel in her in our one-on-one practice, um, and I personally am accepting one new client in December into the um, Alchemy with Erin container, and so that is a six-month container. We will link all this information up in the show notes. We dive more into we do the functional medicine, but we also dive into the mindset, into the subconscious reprogramming, into the energy body, into the emotions. Um, we go deep into the root, root, root. So we can actually get into and process some of these things that are coming up. All right, friends, thanks for listening. And I will check you next week.
Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.